Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Jessica Louts, Deputy Chief Economist and Vice President of Research at the National Association of Realtors, to talk about NAR's Economic Trends Forum and takeaways from their 2023 profile of home buyers and sellers. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be with you. It is great to have you here. So, of course, we are talking from NAR's next conference here in Anaheim. It is gigantic. You and I were just talking about the fact that I had no idea there were going to be like 12,000 people here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I hope you have your walking shoes on because it's a lot of walking. <laughs> it is spread out between, what, four or five different venues? Yes. Multiple hotels, definitely the convention center, all over. <laughs> That is amazing. Well, I'm really happy to have you on and wanted to talk about um, what was discussed today at the Economic Forum. We have sort of like the economic trends that you guys are seeing. Obviously, this is an amazingly challenging time for Mm -hmm. the industry. So um, let's jump in there and, you know, what are some of those economic trends? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great how Lawrence immediately addressed the inflation figures that came out this morning. He put out an instant reaction and he was able to build that into his slides, honestly, to actually show that inflation is going down, that interest rates should be going down, and that should translate into lower mortgage interest rates going into 2024, we hope. Um, And that is his expectation. And that'll mean more sales. That was really good news this morning from the CPI data. And also um, I saw his, you know, remarks and, mm-hmm. and what he said. So I think he said like, we're, we're think we're back towards seven and then maybe mm-hmm. even six at some point in 2024. Yeah. He's expecting that by spring of 2024, that we should actually have rates into the 6% range. I think once we hit that point, consumers are going to be flooding into the market who have been priced out, but also just that psychological effect of, oh, this is a lower interest rate than where we are today. And I feel more comfortable here. I really think Mm -hmm. it's hard to overestimate that psychological effect, you know, in the, you know, a year ago, two years ago, if you had said, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, high sixes, you know, no one would be excited about that. But now people are like, I better jump in when it's in the sixes. Right. Absolutely. And six does, it is lower than the historical norm. The historical norm since 1971 is 7.74%. So we've been itching near that. And so I think coming lower than that by a full percentage point, perhaps that would feel much better to consumers. So Jessica, let's talk about some of the takeaways from NAR's 2023 profile of home buyers and sellers, which was really Mm -hmm. fascinating where you looked at like, what are the trends we're seeing there? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we reported on it. One of the ones that is maybe most important right now, top of mind, is the Mm -hmm. fact that most people want to use a realtor. Absolutely. And we are seeing that agent use this year actually went up both for buyers and for sellers. And buyers understand just how hard this buying market is. It's very hard to find a home right now with a limited inventory environment. And that's what their agent or broker is going to do. They're going to help them navigate into home ownership and also then help with negotiation. Because inventory is limited, people need to place down an offer and they could be facing multiple offers. And so they need to actually work with someone who's going to have their offer seen, accepted, and then them able to move into that house. You know, I was at, we're not going to talk about the mm-hmm. the lawsuits in this podcast, except for me to say that I was in the courtroom and um, I just thought it was so interesting that at this time in the market, mm-hmm. that the idea that, that buyer agents weren't 
as valuable. It, it's just really interesting to me because I'm like, you know, if you've got like 24 offers on house, how are you going to get yours right. in there? How, how do you even know how to, how to, you know, navigate that process Mm-mm. as a buyer if you've got all these other offers? I mean, right. um, so it, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think about my own experiences buying a home and how many questions you have just even putting that offer in. And then if it's not accepted in a super competitive environment, what do you do next? What are your next steps? What are, what are you on the hook for? What do you need to do to go back out and search for another home and move through that process? And that's where that agent really comes in. And I honestly think that the agent's job has become more complicated both in this high inventory environment, but then also thinking about how much migration patterns have changed in the country in the last few years. People are moving further out. They're trusting their agent to really work with them to find that home in a place that they don't know very well. I think, you know, so I've been at Housing Wire for 10 years. And in that whole time, you know, we've heard a lot about disruption mm-hmm. from different tech, um, you know, companies or or different just ways of, of doing things differently in this process. And what we've seen, even with the millennials, remember when mm-hmm. everyone was worried that the millennials aren't going to buy homes like other people, they just want technology. It has not proven true that whole time. No. And the internet use is up. I mean, we're seeing literally every buyer out there is using the internet. There's very few who are not. Um, But I think we have to know it's just a tool. We're using the internet when we go to a coffee shop too, because we want to make sure is, do we like that coffee? Are we feeling good about that? Is it cleanly? Uh, What are other consumers saying? But you still order your coffee and you still work with that barista to find your perfect cup of joe. So like we have to remember, you still are working with a human at the end of the transaction. It's so funny. In my, in my family, we are, um, we are big fans of Quick Trip as a, um, I know this is silly, but it, it's this gas station, you know, a convenience store. And we are just like fans because you go in and they have it so down. You, you have a person there and they're doing it on two sides of the cash register. You're in and out. Anyway, I don't have one near my house. I have another one, which I, I will not name that I hate that just went to like automatic cash registers. And there's a person standing there, but they never say anything to you. Right. It's just such a weird experience. I'm yeah. like, why why can't you just say hi, welcome in or whatever, even right. if I'm gonna use the the thing? No, I mean there's nothing that beats the the human touch really. But we're also talking about we're we're comparing this to coffee and quick trip. But but at the end of the day, this is the biggest financial transaction of someone's life, and you're going to have to live there. So you're gonna want an expert on your side to walk you through every bit of that process. I love that. Absolutely. That's true. Well, let's talk about some of the other takeaways. So one of the things you looked at is like, who are those home buyers and Mm -hmm. and what is their financial health? So tell me what Mm -hmm. you found. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is one of the harder things this year, honestly, is to see these data points, but then also know who we're leaving out of the transaction. Because what we found is that this year's home buyer typically has a household income that is about $20,000 more than a home buyer last year. And that does not mean that everyone's income went up by $20,000 in the last year. It means we've just left out everyone else, say school teachers or bus drivers or a social worker who can't get into the housing market today. I think that's really good uh, to point out because, you know, when you look at this first, you're like, oh, home buyers are in such a great mm-hmm. spot. It's like, well, what we're looking at, what you guys say is successful home buyers. Yeah. It does. You're not looking at the people who tried, but didn't get into a home. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that everyone's facing higher interest mortgage rates. We, we talked about that already, but also just looking at the higher prices of homes and our recent release that we had this week just shows that in 82% of markets, home prices are up year over year. So even if we saw some softening, which we did at the beginning of the year, home prices are back on the rebound. Demand is there. People want to get into homes and we don't have enough inventory. 
82% is wild <laughs> that that many markets are up. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's so absolutely. Many. So also, um, you looked at down payment size mm-hmm. and what yes. that looked like compared to earlier years. What did you guys yeah. find? Yeah. So we're seeing actually that the typical down payment is at a 20 year high. And it's actually more than that for first time home buyers. Um, we are seeing that both for repeat buyers and for first time home buyers, but I think it's for different reasons. A repeat buyer has more housing equity. So they're able to enter the market and put down a larger down payment because of that equity they've earned on their past home. For first time home buyers, I think it's twofold. One, they may want a lower mortgage payment. So they're paying that down so that they can enter into homeownership, feel more comfortable with that higher rate, but also they may want their offer really looked at. And so they're putting in this very strong offer to have it look like and show that their finances are stable enough that they can move forward on that housing transaction. Wow. I mean, uh, we know that the down payment is mm-hmm. the biggest obstacle for, you know, first time right. home buyers. Right. And yet, I mean, were you surprised to see that the number of first time home buyers was up this year? <sighs> I was a little bit, but it also makes a ton of sense because last year, if we think back right before rates were going up, we had 5.5 offers on every home that was listed from our Realtors Confidence Index. It was an extremely difficult market. We remember the lines out the door, seeing a home for 15 minutes before you have to make this decision of whether you want it or not. And so seeing that first-time homebuyers actually stood a chance to come into the market, I think does speak to how many people are left out of the buying market uh, because of the the increased price. But I think the other thing to keep in mind too is that even at 32%, we're so under the historical norm, which is 38% since 1981. So we're still just tiptoeing back in. Well, that's interesting, especially when you think about the demographics. Yeah. Uh, we know that this is these years here. Mm-hmm. You know, Logan's kind of famous right. for looking at 2020 to 24 being yeah. the largest demographic patch Mm-hmm. Um, of, of home buyers reaching their peak home buying age. So yeah. when you think that that's true, but yet it's still only 32%, that kind of puts it in perspective. It does. And I, you know, I, I love that he focuses on that too, because it is so important to see that we have this peak of millennials who should be entering into home buying. But we also know that first time home buyers now are older than they have been. Last year it was 36. This year it's 35. Traditionally, we see first time home buyers at 28 to 33. So we're just seeing them doing this at a later point in life. You know, we're also, I mean, he and I talked about the fact that, like, I think that there's pent up demand. Yes. Because, you know, you had here they come into peak home buying mm-hmm. age right as COVID hits. Yeah. Right as the craziest housing market anybody yeah. can ever remember and and probably getting beat out a lot. Yeah. And then just just all the chaos going on. I feel like if we even see those mortgage rates come down a little bit, you are going to see demand just go through the roof. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And there's so many people who have doubled up too. They moved home. They moved home with mom and dad. They didn't have to pay their student loan debt. They had a pause on payments. So they could get ahead of that if they were able to financially. And so I think there is this pent up demand who's ready to leave mom and dad's house, maybe move down the street in their own place, but they are ready for homeownership. So interesting. Well, tell us who else, what what these buyers look like. Um, you know, as far as like, are they women, men? Mm-hmm. Are they married couples? Yeah. So we are seeing more single women come into the market. Uh, it's not an all time high, but we did see a, a rise in that this year. Uh, we also are seeing strongly in the last few years more roommates, more unmarried couples. So not as high as it was on either one of those factors last year, but still we are seeing a strong share of both of those. I think that speaks to just how people are living differently. Now, we know that marriage rates overall are down. Single women really prize homeownership. We know that they're second only to married couples dating back to 1981. They really want to enter the market. 
Interesting. What about children? So we are seeing actually the lowest share of home buyers who have children this year that we've ever recorded. It's only 30% of recent home buyers from a high of 58% in 1985. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, we are seeing that buyers today are older for repeat buyers and there's more repeat buyers certainly. And also birth rates are down. Well, and also, I mean, uh, just speaking as a, a mom of four, the more <laughs> the more kids you have, yes, you want a house, but maybe you can't afford it, right? Right, absolutely. Kids are really expensive. I mean, daycare and childcare, I, I feel like every day I'm opening a report that says how expensive childcare is in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Great point on that. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that the, you know, the average age of owners or home buyers is older. We know that the baby boomers are holding on to a ton of homes, right? They are. Yeah. We are seeing that the the uh, median age for a repeat buyer today is right on the cusp of whether it's a, a baby boomer or a Gen Xer, but we're seeing that the median age is 58 years old. So right there at that sweet spot. And we know that there's a lot of boomers out there right now who have housing wealth. They want to enter the market, find their retirement property. Interesting. And, you know, just anecdotally, I know a lot of people who are like, they have a house mm-hmm. and they got it such a great rate. They're just renting it. They're like, I don't yeah. want to sell it. What am I going to do? Sell it? Right. right, right. Why not buy a second property in the place you want to be? Maybe be a snowbird as well. So I think there's options out there, but we are seeing that it's predominantly options for boomers. You talked about multiple people buying houses together. How does that look from, you know, the multi-generational aspect? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're seeing 14% of all buyers are multi-generational buyers. I think this is a really interesting trend. I think it's here to stay. I think it's a new way of life for a lot of people after COVID to take care of each other in a different way. And so having an elderly relative move in instead of moving into a nursing home, works for a lot of families, but then also cost savings. It allows people to take care of each other. Maybe it's elder care, maybe it's childcare, but taking care of each other in a different way. So I think in the past, when we talked about multi-gen households, we would think that that was maybe concentrated in different communities mm-hmm. like the Hispanic community or the mm-hmm. Asian community. But what what are you seeing? So we aren't seeing that as much now, actually. We have seen it traditionally more in minority families, but it seems to be something that's being adopted by white Caucasian families as well. It works for a lot of families. Understandable. You know, when yeah. you think about how high home prices are, mm-hmm. when you think about, um, to your point, you know, childcare costs yeah. are so through the roof that yeah. it makes sense to have some built-in help there. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's an aunt and uncle and people are sharing their home uh, to different nuclear families, it works for a lot of people. Yeah. So interesting. I wonder if we're going to look back, you know, we've talked for a while now about like what 2020 will mm-hmm. mean when we look back 15 years yeah. from from now and that's one of my next questions is kind of like you know uh, distance move location mm-hmm. where people are you know are we still seeing those like let's move to you know a small town where we can work remote is that still sort of what we're seeing well i think maybe ceos want us back more i'm not sure but we are seeing that those long distance moves of 50 miles was a median last year we were seeing it retreat a little to 20 miles um and i say a little because that's still actually higher than where we had seen it historically historically it's always been about 10 to 15 miles dating back to the 80s so it is a little bit farther but it's just not that far Okay. Someone needs to talk to my kids because, um, okay. So I'm in Dallas. I have two in New York city, one in San Diego, one in Tulsa. Like, okay, they need to listen to this 20 miles guys. Come back home. They're so far away. Um, what are some of the things about this survey that surprised you? 
Um, you know, I think one of the things that has surprised me is where first-time home buyers are pulling their down payments from. We actually saw this year that we saw a jump in those who are taking from 401k, they're taking from uh, stocks, they're taking from cryptocurrency. I think we're talking about not only wealthier first-time home buyers, but maybe financially savvy first-time home buyers too. Seeing the wealth gains they can have through housing, taking from an asset, moving it into home ownership. I think that speaks to a different type of buyer. It's not everybody out there who has cryptocurrency. And so seeing that share go up a little, I think it's notable. That is really interesting. Uh, not something we've seen in the past so much. No, no it's not. Uh, traditionally, it's the bank of mom and dad or savings is where people get their down payment. We're still seeing that. That's very popular. But seeing financial assets as a source of down payment, I think is interesting too. When you guys survey people, you know, do people still see the value of home ownership, even though it's mm-hmm. so, you know, the prices are so much higher, it yeah. seems harder than ever. There's a whole bunch of memes about just like, okay, grandpa, yeah, <laughs> you bought it at like, you know, right. 19%, but it was like $50,000. And so, yeah. I mean, do you still see that people value home ownership? They do. And I think we can get to it a couple different ways. So one is the financial return on home ownership, which we consistently see more than eight in 10 recent buyers say, Yes, this is a good financial return for me, but also it's better than stocks. And we're seeing a very significant share saying that. The other thing that I think is important too is that for first time home buyers, six and 10 are saying they bought just for the desire of home ownership. It's the American dream, it's what they want. That's so interesting. I know that, you know, rents have been going up. We've mm-hmm. had rent inflation over the last couple of years. Now we're seeing that start to, you know, mediate a little bit yeah. uh, because there was so much building of multifamily. We'll, mm-hmm. We're seeing that. But I think that's part of this is like, if you were one of those people who just saw your rent go up and up and up every year, you're like, I have, you know, I want to get off this crazy train. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even for renters or for people who are doubling up with family, they understand the benefit of homeownership. It's just the ability to get there, saving for the down payment and then having a contract accepted if they're in the home buying market too. So let's talk about the Realtors Confidence Survey as well, right? Let's Or the index. Let's talk about what you're seeing there as far as um, all cash buyers, for instance. Yeah. So this is something that I think is really impacting the market as well, is that we're seeing 29% of buyers in the last month uh, actually are paying all cash. And so in that environment, which we know is outperforming the historical number at 25%, um, we know that there's going to be more all cash buyers just because there's multiple offer situations and there's a lot of people with housing equity. There are still some people who are moving further distances. I know I said that it retreated some, but there are still buyers who are doing that. But we also know that half of older boomers are paying all cash, half. So we're going to keep seeing this data. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be hard for first-time home buyers to move into the environment and find a contract that they can actually have solidified. It's so hard to, you know, compete against that. You know, Mm -hmm. in the past, you know, maybe people would be like, oh, it's an institutional buyer. Now it's like, it is the boomers. Again, (laughs) the boomers. We can blame them for everything. (laughs) (laughs) What else did your uh, Realtors Confidence Survey look at? So um, the other thing that I think is interesting is that in the last month, we're still seeing multiple offers. The typical seller had 2.6 offers for every home um, that's listed right now. That's that's the the typical offers. But we're also seeing that a quarter of homes are moving more than the asking price. So I think that speaks to just how competitive the market is. And the vast majority are moving under a month with 20 days, the typical days on market. So all of that speaks to how much it's still a seller's market. 
all around the country. And there may be pockets where buyers have the ability to compete and to negotiate, but I think it's limited for a lot of buyers out there. I think the mortgage rate discussion has kind of sucked up all the oxygen in the room. <laughs> because if you think about it, like in 2021, mm-hmm. every story we wrote was basically like, there's a line out the door right. and there's multiple offers and all that thing. And now it's just like, you know, it's hard to believe there's this much demand when you have right. high home prices and high mortgage rates. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's all, it, what are we comparing it to? Because if we compare it to just the most recent last couple of years where there were those lines out the door, we had 5.5 offers. Sure, we've come down from there. But still looking at about three offers is where we've been for the last several months. We still have a lot of competition in the marketplace for very limited housing inventory. Yes, we were in a housing recession because we did see less sales than we have had. But we know that it's rebounded and we know that there are plenty of buyers there willing to come in. So let's talk about the total number of of homes, you know, Mm -hmm. that we think we'll sell this year. So if you look at the monthly numbers, it feels like we're going to be trending under 4 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. We always know that winter and fall months too are are really bleak when it comes to home buying because there's so uh, few people who want to place their home on the market if they have families and move during that time period. It's a good opportunity for first-time home buyers, but we know that there's a lot of contraction and activity during that time period. I hope that 2024 is better. Uh, That is our expectation moving forward. What are some of the reasons that give you optimism for 2024? Uh, A drop in interest rates. Uh, The other thing that I would say too is that for housing starts data, it's been fits and starts. We have not seen consistently positive housing starts information coming out from census. But what gives me some optimism there is that we are seeing that permits do seem to be going up. And so if we see permits going up, it could mean that there's a lag of a couple months, but we could start seeing shovels in the ground. And the second point of silver lining and optimism that I'm seeing too, is that the length of time to build a home is actually going down. And I think that speaks to if we can bring more home builders in, if rates go down, if they feel more encouraged to build, we could actually see more inventory actually being built in this country. And that's what we really need. When we had such long lag times mm-hmm. in building, you know, with the COVID-19 delays, which seemed to last for years. Yeah. Yeah, they really did. And I mean, they were canceling their contracts because they couldn't bring these homes onto the market and actually have a home buyer um, move into that property. And so now seeing that reduce, I think, is one point of optimism that we can take away. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for um, being on the podcast today. Great to talk to you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.